This is the Mobile Tech Podcast, brought to you by worldpodcasts.com. Now here's your host, tech girl, Miriam Joie. Brought to you by Audible. Stay tuned for a special deal at the end of the show. Hi, and welcome to the Mobile Tech Podcast. I'm your host, Miriam Joie, and today is Wednesday, April 22nd, 2020. And my guest is Daniel Bader of Android Central. Hi, Daniel. How are you? Hey, Miriam. I'm really good. I'm so happy to be here. Yes, it's Moto Edge Day or Edge Plus Day or Edge slash Edge Plus Day. What is We're living it? On, on the edge of whatever Motorola wants to call its damn phones this year. Thank you for doing that. That was wonderful. Um, yeah, so we're literally recording this an hour after the announcement. We've got all our content up. Hooray. Uh, by the time you listen to this, it'll probably be Friday or Saturday. So you, it'll be old news, but you'll probably want to know the lowdown. We both have a phone. So we're going to give you the lowdown as best we can. I mean, my time so far has been hands-on time, not actually like playing with my review unit. I literally arrived like an hour ago. Like it's like they timed it perfectly, Daniel. I don't know. Like it's weird. Did yours arrive exactly when the embargo lifted? So mine is still on a truck somewhere. Oh. I have to admit that. I, um, I've been checking FedEx's tracking website all morning because it was supposed to be here. Uh, well, it, they're claiming it'll be here in 15 minutes or my money back, or I guess my pizza's free or whatever. But uh, I haven't actually touched it yet. What I've done is I've spent a lot of time drooling over photos, um, looking at videos, and basically enjoying the fact that Motorola is putting out a flagship again. Yeah, I mean, this this is a real freaking flagship, right? There's a few things that, you know, but actually I think no. I was going to say the 1080p versus Quad HD since we're going to jump right into specs. But but honestly, 1080p, look, a lot of people are doing 1080p displays at flagships levels right now. Like even I'm trying to think, but yeah, there's a few at least. Well, I mean, there's there's the OnePlus 8. The P40 Pro is 1200. It's 1080 to 1200. It's 120 pixel difference. I mean, I count that as not a Quad HD. Sorry, guys. There's the V60. Right, but the, the V60 is problematic because of that. Because it's not just 1080, it's 60 hertz as well. Like, you, if you have one or the other, I can deal with it. If you have both, I deal. But the V60 doesn't have either a high-res display or high refresh rate. At least the Moto Edge Plus is 90 hertz, right? It really is amazing, though, how quickly our minds change, oh, yeah. right? Like, there's no... After going back to the V60, going to the V60 after using the OnePlus 8 Pro, I my my eyes were it it took a while to adjust i will admit it's not horrible but it's it it is a bit of a oh okay this is how things used to be kind of feeling yeah i mean look i think honestly and this is why i think i you know when i was kind of teeter tottering with 1080p quad hd is that important you know it's it, to me it's less important than 90 hertz so i i once you've used something above 90 hertz like I was saying this on the show a little while back. I think, you know, when I was younger-ish, which is, means think about cathode ray tube and computers that were slower than our smartwatches and fitness trackers, we uh, had oftentimes this choice to refresh the monitors at 72 hertz. That was like the sweet spot because it turns out that's the number. Anything above 72 and you see a lot less flicker. Like there's a huge like change in our perception. But uh, below that, we notice it. So 
in, in this case, it's not Flickr we're seeing. It's the refresh rate of the of the you know the actual UI on the display. So when you're scrolling, you really notice it. So I think to me, 90 to 120 hertz is it's I I see it. You see it if you're really paying attention, especially if you film in slow motion. You'll notice it. But nobody watches in slow motion. So I think 90 is what I want. 120 is a nice bonus. But I frankly feel like phones like the the S20. And others that are 120 hertz. I wish there was a setting for 90 on there, to be frank. I'd be happy with that as a compromise for battery life, you know? Yes. I mean, it, it's clear that with a Snapdragon 865 and 60 hertz, there's no shortage of battery. If you have a, you know, a, a four and a half, 5,000 milliamp hour battery, you'll be fine. Um, I reviewed the Galaxy S20 Plus exclusively on 1080p 120 hertz, and I yeah. got really good battery life. Yeah, that's what my uh, my Oppo Find X2 Pro review is about to hit on hot hardware sometime soon. I've had that phone for over a month, honestly, and I'm running it at 120 1080p, although it can do Quad HD and 1080p. Sorry, and 120. And then, of course, when I did my OnePlus 8 Pro review, which, by the way, I read yours too, that was last last week's podcast. So if you're listening, folks, go back one week and you'll get the whole lowdown on the OnePlus 8 OnePlus 8 Pro. But the OnePlus 8 Pro, I ran it at 1080, 120 the whole time I had it just because I didn't really feel like I needed Quad HD. My eyes are not that good. So resolution is not as important to me as refresh, you know? I agree. And I, I just think it's it's interesting that some... OEMs are compromising on that 90 hertz number. We saw it on the OnePlus 7 Pro. It's fine. And especially if you're coming from a 60 hertz panel, which, what, 99.9% of people are, then your your mind is going to be blown by how good this upgrade is. I mean, going back to the P40 Pro, which you also wrote about, I'll link all that stuff in the show notes, but the P40 Pro, which is an amazing phone, like the hardware is just like, to me, it's kind of like the reference all around. A software is a whole different story because of GMS. And, and I, I have tried living without GMS before you did. And I wrote a story in Android Police last November about it uh, regarding the Honor 9X Pro, which was the first official Huawei Honor phone that didn't have GMS before the Mate 30. And it was rough. It's, it was back then even more rough, but it's still rough. Like, I feel like I don't think I can do it. Um, yeah, I remember seeing you in line for the Pixel 4 event in New York, right? And uh, we were discussing it, and you were saying how, you know, you've done all this work to get, I think it was, was it the Honor or the Mate 30 Pro? That was the Honor. I hadn't ha- didn't have a Mate 30 yet by then. Yeah, and just how much work you had done to kind of get it working the way you like. But it's it's not a good compromise right now. And people like, you know, Max Weinbach of XDA and, and, and Paul O'Brien... You know all the all the hardcore you know enthusiasts that and my my colleague Alex Doby as well they've really dug into this and it's not easy to get GMS working properly on a Huawei phone anymore. I mean, it um, was until the P40 Pro. Like all my previous ones, the LZ Play mod worked on 100%. Like everything worked. I, sh- I shouldn't say everything 100%. So 99% because everything worked. Notifications included, except. Google paid in work. That was the only compromise you made, which is a, you know, it was my daily driver, a pretty big compromise. I use Google pay for everything, especially in these crazy times we live in right now. Uh, you know, by tap paying when I'm going for groceries and stuff right now, but 
I always did, so it's nothing new for me. I, I feel like it's that's that's the only concession before. But now, you know, the mods that like Alex documented and others are, you know, you don't get notifications. You can't it's if you want to add a second account after the fact, you have to like basically undo a whole bunch of stuff and start over. Like that's not acceptable. Like I cannot live with that. I, I'm personally drawing the line and saying that the P40 Pro until further notice in terms of you know, uh, GMS restoration is not, cannot be restored to 99% functionality. And, and that's okay. Some people I think can live with that. I can't, and I don't know how you can right now. <laughs> I can't. And I, I've tried, I've tried many times over the last couple of weeks. I've, I've taken my time. I've spoken to experts. I've tried to, I've talked, I've spoken many times to Huawei's PR trying to get them to admit that they are selling a phone that they're is encouraging you know they're they're encouraging salespeople especially if you're buying this at a carrier for instance to lie to customers and yeah. and I don't use that word lightly because when they say app gallery built in they're really saying that this doesn't have google services but th what they're not saying is even if you use things like phone clone to get all of your apps over, you're not going to get notifications for the apps that you take for granted. And that is my biggest issue. It's not just Google notifications, it's Twitter, it's Slack, it's, it's literally every single- It's the fact that you single... can't use Uber or Lyft. It's the fact that, you know, Netflix doesn't work if you, unless you use the special version for that phone, which exists, and you have to do APK hunting to get it. It's the fact that, I mean, the list goes on. And I've had this discussion with the higher ups at, at Huawei PR and, you, you know, we're very close. Like I've, we, I've been working with them for a long time. I have a lot of respect for them, but I've told them, I said, we, you cannot play Jedi mind tricks. You're not Apple. Okay. It's not going to work. Like you're not looking at me, waving your hand and saying, these are not the droids you're looking for because it's not working. I'm seeing the freaking droids. Okay. They are the ones I'm looking for. I'm looking for my GMS droids. But even, I mean, think about this, right? Think about an iPhone 11 Pro that had no access to Google services. It would so be dead, DOA. It, it, it might be because Google has installed all of these hooks to make it easy to log into one Google app and then quickly you know, use that API hook to log into every other app simultaneously. Mm -hmm. You can jump between apps really easily. I mean, these are things that iPhone users take for granted but that's still sitting above the iOS um, you know, app you know, level, yeah. right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And they make it work. And yeah. Huawei cannot do the same thing on its own Android phones right now. Yeah. Anyway, we've discussed Huawei to death on the show already. I, I feel your frustration. I want to bring it up. I brought it up. I'm the one. But because your story on the P40 Pro was really well written, I felt like very well balanced and fair. And um, I'll link it in the, in the show notes. Um, so the similarities, the way we got here was because we we're talking about the Edge, the Moto Edge Plus display, which is 1080p, not Quad HD, but that's fine because it's got 90 hertz. And that's why we said it's fine because a lot of people are giving me a lot of, I got a lot of hate mail from my hot hardware review where I said it called it a um, almost flagship and bitched about the 1080p 60 hertz refresh on that phone. But I feel that I'm justified. I feel that if you're making something you call a flagship that costs anywhere from 800 to 1000 plus dollars today, 
you need 90 or 120 or quad HD or both. You can't just go down back down to 1080p 60, especially when screen sizes are 6.7 inches in the case of the Edge Plus here. That's a big screen at 1080p. Now the 90 hertz kind of saves it in my opinion. It's a beautiful AMOLED for sure, but you know, what's your take on, on this waterfall edge that's extreme on this phone? It's, it's like the Mate 30 Pro. It goes more than halfway down the sides. Yeah, I think it's a mistake. I do. I think you have to... I hate waterfalls. Um, I love waterfalls. I don't like waterfall displays. Not the displays. actual nature things. I'm talking about the displays. <laughs> so I mean, who can who hates a waterfall? Really, I know, especially Foss. right now, given that we can't we can't even get it's out. It's the Foss in Iceland. I went to Iceland five years ago. It changed my life, my friend. Really? Oh, yes, it did. Imagine nature in a way that you're not kind of immersed in it, like you know the rainforest in Brazil where you think you're going to die because nature is going to take you over, mm -hmm. you know, so you're close to civilization all the time. Um, and relatively because the distance is as small as what I'm saying. And you have perfect connectivity on your phone the whole time you're there. Like this is five years ago when I was getting 50, 60, 70 megabits per second on my phone in the middle of nowhere on LTE on a local SIM. Right, you gotta love Europe though for that kind of stuff. Yeah, well, especially Iceland because they're right on the fiber that connects U.S. to to Europe. So they're sitting on a big fiber pipe, and they have a fiber network, a ring of fiber going around their their ring, the ring road, which is the road going all the way around the island, and the cell towers are attached to that. So, and then you know the population density is like zero, <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> out there in the middle of nowhere. So if you're connected to a tower, you're probably the only one or maybe three other people are doing speed tests at the same time and you're still going to get 50 megabits. Yeah. So, and then you are a photography buff. We talked about P40 Pro, me too. So imagine all the photography subjects you could want all the time and including the waterfalls, the FOSS as they call them. So I'm a huge fan of the waterfalls in physical form, not the displays. But yeah, the displays, I, I can't, I can't do it. I mean, okay, we got to give Moto some credit for having a mode that removes the waterfall. Like there's a display mode you can set where it put black bars and kind of makes the display flat, right? Sure. But then you're, you're sort of, you're, you're, you're sort of destroying your, your OLED because you're never going to display on that area and it's going to look faded and yeah, weird just, in the it area seems, that you display. It seems wasteful. It also seems like you're, you're purposefully making a road icy and then putting salt down to melt the ice. You know, it's, it's Correct. like you're, you're basically just putting an obstacle in your own path, uh, so that you can prove you can get around it. And with the OnePlus a pro is a perfect example of that. It, it's not as severe a waterfall as the mate 30 pro or the Motorola edge plus, but it still doesn't do a great job with palm rejection. And you can really see it. Like if you look at that display, if that phone is sitting on your desk, we're talking about the OnePlus 8 Pro or the, by the way, the Find X2 Pro, which is exactly the same display. And you look at off angles, you immediately notice like there's really a huge discoloration uh, between the normal part and the waterfall part. And, you know, as you move, it improves. But it's just, it's just it, what drives me nuts on these displays that my edges are not only touch targets that I don't want to be touched. And that on top of that, they're looking like crap. You know, like the colors are off and everything's wrong. Yeah, it, it's it's just it is weird. I mean, it's it's also an artistic effect in a way, right? If you're if you're photographing the phone from an angle, it's um, it's really 
quite striking to look it at. Looks it looks cool. For sure yeah. it does. But in practical use, it's not. And then the biggest problem I have with it is that ultimately it's not day-to-day friendly. Like I I like what Samsung's done with the S20. I hate saying I like Samsung, but I mean, I don't it is true Samsung. though. I mean the the fact that the company, the biggest Android, the biggest phone maker in the world basically who started its the lesson. whole thing of waterfalls, by the way. Right, but it did took what it took what six years for them to figure this out. The first the first dis, uh, uh, sloping edge display was in two thousand fourteen with the Note Edge, and then I have a gut feeling, Daniel, that we're going to see the Note twenty is going to be waterfall for sure. You think so? I think they're going back to distinguishing the industrial design between the S series and the Note series because it was become a big effing blur between them. That's true. I also think it's interesting that there were very active rumors that the Note 10 was originally designed without buttons and that later in the game, a Samsung executive decided that it wasn't feasible and that's why they had to redesign it at the last minute, which is why the power button is on the left side of the phone because they didn't have time to completely redesign the internals to put the power button on the right side again. I I just want to nitpick at this point and say that I agree with you. That is terrible, the power button on the left. I also feel the volume rocker on the left is terrible. I want all phones to standardize to a volume rocker and a power button on the right, even though I'm there are left-handed people out there, but they're used to it by now. And more importantly, here's my question to you, since we're nitpicking like MFs right now. Love it. <laughs> yeah. Power button above or below the volume rocker? Oh, I think... Because I'm, I'm, on, a, I'm on below. Yeah, I'm below too. I'm just thinking about it in my head right now. If I, if I look at a phone... Wait, what does the Pixel do? The Pixel has the, the power button. The Pixel is reversed. It has the power yeah. button above and it drives yeah. me nuts. I know. I mean, the ideal would be something, and I hate to say it, but something like Sony where the power button is centered on the right yeah. side. Yeah. The volume buttons Especially are higher the up on the, the right side. Have. Yeah. yeah. And then the, there's a camera there's a camera shutter on the bottom. I do think that, you know, for all of Sony's issues, that is one of the best decisions they've made. One of the few decisions. <laughs> one of the, the I mean, I haven't used the Xperia Oh Jesus. The one, Xperia two? 1 Mark 2. Yeah. Yet, but Oh man, I I you know what I just like a little bit of inside baseball stuff. I I love getting Android 10 on phones. I'm sure you do the same thing. So you dig into your drawer or closet or wherever you have your old phones to find ones that have potentially been updated. Yeah, so yeah. I pulled out the Z3. Um oh, not that's the old. Z3, the X3, the XZ3. Um the one before the yeah, Xperia the 1. Yeah, yeah. And so Sony does seamless updates, which is great, but they don't do Delta updates. So you can't update it and get the latest update, which includes all the previous ones. So it reboots 50 times? Literally. I had to install, (laughs) because Sony's great with security patches, so they do it every month. So I hadn't updated this phone since like the middle of 2019, early 2019, I think. So basically did like nine months of security (laughs) patches before it got to Android 10. Um, And I did the same thing for the Xperia XZ2 Compact, which was even older. So I spent three days updating that phone to get it to the latest patch. It was ridiculous, but <laughs> it's something that you don't think about because obviously if you have one phone, you mainly keep it updated. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. I mean, these are first world slash tech journalist reviewer problems. 
I think people like to hear about them though because no, we're but weird of course, because nerdy. they live vicariously through us. Nobody has a box of fifty phones at home, okay? <laughs> I do. I, I many of them need to be returned right now or given away or whatever. Um, just in case you you don't understand how this works, folks. All the phones we get are loners, and ethically we're not allowed to keep them. Obviously, like that's not how it works. Okay, so we are usually I, I reach out to the people and say, hey, I've had this phone for like whatever it is, three months, a year, two years. Can you do you want it back? Should I send it back and you know pay for shipping? Because I'm not going to pay for shipping. So one of two things happens: either they say yes and they send me a thing and I send the phone back, or they say, oh, we don't want it, and then I'm in a conundrum because I can't ethically sell it. So what I do is I give it away to a charity. Like there are these women shelters in my city in San Francisco that need free devices to communicate for emergencies because you can still do a 911 like call on a phone without a SIM card. And so there we go. So these shelters are getting these really weird phones, you know, like phones that they've probably never seen before, like, you know, Meizu and Huawei and whatever it is. It's weird. Yeah, I mean, it is kind of insane. Like as we were talking, I just got an email from an unnamed company asking me to send a phone back that uh, I've had for nine months now. So some companies are weird about stuff like that. They eventually get around to it. Um, I think it's a, I think it's like an end of year, um, you know, financial thing where right, they, right. they, you know, for tax reasons, they can't write off all of these phones unless they have them physically in their in their property. So. Yeah. Uh, they just, you know, you know Samsung they... for a long time, you, when you sent them back their phones, they would put them on a shelf at their headquarters yeah. in, in the U.S. near Dallas, and they would let the employees use them, basically. Like, you could take one home and as a backup or give it to your kids if they needed to be entertained on that road trip you're going to. They were loners internally, all the review units. Well, it's good. I mean, as long as they they're getting used. They couldn't throw used. them out, and they couldn't do anything else with them in terms of, like, you know, after they're old, like the reviewers don't want them at all, right? After a year, you're not going to want a phone unless you like need to do a comparison that's really like desperate and you don't have that phone. But we tend to hang on to our phones long enough that comparisons aren't a problem, right? So, yeah, I mean, look, when we're talking about secure, like patches or you know updates or whatever, like bringing it back to the the Motorola stuff, you know, I I don't like giving phones to people when they don't get regular updates because I don't want to be responsible for anything bad happening. So if somebody says, "Hey, can I borrow a phone?" I say, "Sure." here's a pixel or, you know, here's yeah, right. whatever. Where, whereas like, if I tell somebody, if somebody says, oh, I need to buy a phone, it's three, $400 budget. What, what can I buy? I say, well, you know, buy a Moto G7, but just know that you have to be very careful. We're going to talk about the G series. So let's, uh, we're terrible right now. We're like the biggest teases in the world. Cause we're talking, this is an edge plus podcast and we've only gotten to the display. We're going to talk about the Moto G stylus in a minute or 10 let's do or it. 15. But look, like, let's quickly go over the specs of this Edge Plus. Okay, 6.7-inch display, 1080p, 90 hertz. Stupid waterfalls with a mode to turn them off, which is even more stupid. And turns, by the way, turning it off turns the screen into a 21 by 9 aspect ratio, whereas natively it's 19.5 by 9. It says, I'm looking at GSM Marina, who is, as we know, the Bible when it comes to specs. Oh, yeah, yeah. GSM Marina is the best. They, they save our lives, right? Like, if, I couldn't live without them. And I've given them props on the show many times because honestly, this is how I get all my specs. Um, because I can't, I mean, I used to be, there used to be a day, Daniel, when I was a young little chicken, when I remembered the specs by heart on every phone. But now my mind is going, Dave. Yeah, right. They said in 2001. It's funny though, 
It's also because every phone is basically the same, and differentiating them visually is very difficult. Whereas that is in the past, very true. Because okay, talking of design, I think the design is really pretty. But again, like you could mistake this for some sort of Chinese phone, right? I mean, no offense to Chinese phones, I love them, but they are design champions right now. I think they're really pushing the envelope. But this remind honestly, this reminds me. I mean, for me, it's the other it's the other way around because I saw the H Plus in February. So for me, it's like the LG Velvet which we're going to talk about in a minute too, reminds me of this phone. And for people, it's probably the other way around. For you listeners, it's probably like, oh, the Moto Edge Plus, now that I've seen a photo of it, reminds me of this Velvet phone that LG's been teasing us for a few weeks now, right? Yeah, I mean, look, uh, the Velvet is strange. I will admit that it's in it's an odd decision, especially literally... It's the right decision after the boring V60. Yeah, but it... it came out this teaser came out days after the v60 was released they're done with that old design language they want to move on this is hope daniel hope that lg is finally not just going to make phones for carriers and actually going to care about making a nice phone that costs 700 dollars that has a snapdragon 765g and 5g in it and is not going to have any corners cut like no telephoto and no whatever it is that's missing on the v60 I suppose so. I, I just I'm don't understand who this optimistic. is for. I don't understand. Like, I went. I, I've 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 been around, you know, the the bases with LG so many times, and I just feel like we're way we're we're way back in the 2014 2015 days where the company is really just trying to suss out what's going to differentiate its its mobile division. The you know once again, and Here's the thing, right? They, and I, we all know what they need to do. We, we all know what every phone company needs to do. And in fact, I think the Edge Plus is doing. What's that? Make a OnePlus phone. But OnePlus is making a OnePlus phone. That because they're OnePlus. I, I'm saying that with a smile on my face. Like I totally understand your recursive question here. OnePlus to me right now, the OnePlus 8 Pro is the mother of all phones. And, and it's not because technically there are better phones out there. Mm -hmm. I'm just saying that it has everything you need in a phone. Today in 2020, it has the right price. It's expensive, but it has the right price for what it is and the right software. And it has everything pretty much right. It's I gave it I gave it a 4.9 out of 5. It is, uh, for all practical purposes, almost the perfect phone, in my opinion. It is certainly it can improve in many ways. But if you balance everything, all the little points of data there is a pin in the middle somewhere that balances that thing so perfectly, in my opinion, that that's what people should try to achieve. And if LG is trying to go there right now, which I've been suggesting for years, good for them. Yeah, I look, I, I mean, nobody's done the, the mid-range as cheaper flagship in the US yet. Motorola even announced they the Edge the today. They did for the G-Series in a way. Like, they owned that area for a long time. They did, yeah. Why can't they own what I call the affordable flagship range, which is the $750. Now, it used to be $500, $600, now it's $750. Right, but the problem is that that was the, that was the price of a flagship phone two, three years ago. Well, we're no longer two, three years ago, so now that's, we've moved on. For, for sure. better or for worse, it's wrong, I know, but do you really think that that Nokia 8.3 is going to be a good phone at $500, 5G? No, it's not. We know that. Nobody knows about that phone. The thing is that Samsung owns so much of the conversation in the mainstream 
alongside Apple. OnePlus owns the conversation with the core, the loyalists, the people who have come up with them since 2014. LG sort of sits in this amorphous, you know, purgatory. Yeah, it's too late. Yeah, I agree. Nobody cares about LG because LG has not cared about us for years. LG has cared about the carriers for years. And that's the price you pay. So good luck with the LG Velvet. I just feel like uh, I want them to, I I know they can, they have the might, they're LG. It's like they're the size of Samsung almost. Like they could lose money for five more years making phones that are absolutely awesome and get back in our good graces without a problem with all the washers and TVs and fridges they sell, okay? Like they need to just look at the fact that eventually they're going to make money if they get their their ducks lined up in a row now, but they're not really looking at that. They're like, we need to make money on our mobile division. I'm like, you're not going to make money. That ship sailed five years ago, okay? So another five years of you not making money, maybe you'll be still relevant then. I just want to say, I've been using the V60. It's basically a muscle car in a phone. You know, it's over, it it just has so much of everything. It's massive, it's thick, its battery lasts forever. It doesn't handle very well like muscle cars. It's (laughs) ugly. But it works, Miriam. It does work. I really did not expect. It's brute force. No, I agree. Look, to like this phone as much as I do. I did the same way. The dual screen thing is bs and i hate it and i think it's stupid and i don't think it should be bundled with it thankfully t-mobile doesn't bundle it here and now t-mobile sell that phone unbundled for 700 by the way which is a good deal but mike i'm still butthurt by the lg v60 because it's just don't call it flagship lg okay it's not a freaking flagship anymore it's missing too many things to be a flagship on the other hand, it has some great things, like the quad DAC is incredible. The speakers sound fantastic on that phone. But design-wise, it's dated. It's so big and bulky. It's bigger than a Galaxy S20 Ultra. It is. It's, it's really massive. And I don't have a case for it. Probably a good thing. Um, but I, you know, I, I just think, like, I, I want to bring this back to the Edge Plus we can't speak about the Edge Plus, I swear. Speaking of the Edge Plus, there's also an Edge, by the way, and that would probably fit in the discussion. We don't know pricing on that, though, but it's coming out later in the summer, and the specs are more in line with what we'd expect from a $600, $700 phone, because, yes, the Edge Plus is $1,000, right? Yeah, and you can only buy it in one place in the U.S. It's ridiculous. Oh, don't even get me started. I'm so angry about that right now. The moment, like I swear, when they told us that in February in Chicago in the headquarters, I think I almost screamed in the middle of the briefing. Like, <laughs> I can, I can actually picture you. I can picture you standing there like fuming. I know that I, I rolled enough that the speaker paused right in front of us. It's amazing. I mean, don't you feel that's a terrible mistake? In the same way as LG is peddling to the carriers all the time, Moto keeps peddling to the carriers. Come on, Moto, like grow some balls like can't you just make this thing unlocked and call it a day i think they wouldn't sell any of these phones unlocked well, i don't they still think... need verizon's partnership for sure but why just not put your foot down and say screw it you want this phone it's awesome we know it's awesome it's got it's one of the few phones with millimeter wave in the u.s that's like designed from the ground up for millimeter wave not some kind of add-on special verizon version but actually designed from the ground up Take it or leave it, Verizon. We've been your partner long enough. You can have this phone, but the condition is we also sell it unlocked. Deal. I, I, I wish that were true. I don't think they have the bargaining power for that conversation. And I don't... Then they approach Timo and they approach AT&T and say the same thing. Fuck Verizon. But here's the thing. 
is that they would need three different versions of the phone because of 5G. No, they can have a single version that does all the low band. You don't need a millimeter wave at that point. Throw a millimeter wave out. Well, Samsung had that same problem, and we still don't have a small S20 with millimeter wave on Verizon. It's too small. It's coming, but it's not there yet. It's just complicated, and 5G makes everything more expensive. So I feel like Motorola had, it was put in a corner. It said, okay, well, we want to make this $1,000 phone. Who's going to help us subsidize it? Well, our friends at Motorola who have been supporting us since 2009 or whatever. Look, I have a philosophical issue with Verizon and millimeter wave only thing. They are breaking the marketplace right now because in order to make a phone for Verizon that says 5G on it right now, because they really pretty much only have millimeter wave, you have to make this special phone that costs so much more money because these antennas and the design for the radios, like millimeter wave is very tricky to design around because, you know, line of sight and all that stuff. So... It's like F Verizon, as I said. It's like they are messing it up for everyone else. Like I have right now a bunch of phones here. I happen to be in my second residence in Portland where I actually have both T-Mobile 5G like low band and AT&T 5G low band. And I have all these phones here that work flawlessly on these networks. And I get slightly better speeds than LTE. And I certainly get better reception in my basement than I do with LTE. We don't need millimeter wave right now. And Verizon is basically put themselves in a corner and taking all the manufacturers hostage with them. Like the fact that OnePlus had to make a OnePlus 8 version that's $100 more that has, you know, in the same way as Samsung has to make a special S20 version because it's too small to have all the antennas in it from the get-go and too expensive also to do that. So they're, they're making these custom versions. It's like we're back in 2009, 2010, 2011, you know? I hate it. We're back in 2009, 2010, except that you can take for granted that whatever phone you buy will work on LTE. But the problem yeah. is the marketing. It's so the phones are way better. The, situ- the, the technology situation is way better. The battery situation is way better. But the marketing is the same garbage as it was 10 years ago. And that's potentially worse because- that video for the Edge Plus like promo <laughs> thing, it's like it had droid all over it. Like it's so bad. Like- have you learned anything, Moto and Verizon? No, I don't think they have. Um, I mean, talk, like just phone marketing in general, unless you're Apple or Samsung, is just super cringy. Uh, and even some Apple and Samsung stuff is super cringy. But they are working with better ad agencies at the moment, I guess. For sure. All right, let's go through more specs. Um, so, of course, this is a $1,000 flagship with 5G. It has low band for well it's going to have the bands for verizon for sure which includes a millimeter wave of course and up to five gigabits per second or four gigabits per second i get conflicting data from the various sheets i've read which is crazy but it's just basically nobody nobody's ever going to get that speed and right now i have a phone that just arrived today the edge plus that i'm not going to be able to use in any of the two cities i live in because the millimeter wave sucks and it doesn't exist anywhere that's relevant to anybody you can quote me on that, all of you. It's not you're not wrong, Miriam. You're you're not wrong. So it's got all this stuff. It has twelve gigs of RAM and two fifty six gigs of storage. It doesn't have a card uh, memory card slot, which is coming pretty common. You have to understand, folks, that UFS three which this phone has, which is a super fast, you know, flash memory, built in storage memory, 
is so fast that you really don't want to put an SD card in your phone anymore. Like to get the reliability and the performance that you expect for recording like 4K 16, this phone doesn't do 8K, but if it did 8K, you know, like you need storage that's fast. That's why having SD cards is going away because they can't keep up. They just can't keep up. And you have that mechanical connection. You have that these contacts that can corrode and get old. And it's just a bad idea. Memory cards are nice, but they're a bad idea. And they're going away because of that. In the same way as batteries that were removable were nice, but they went away because you it's much more structurally easy to make a phone that's strong and beautiful without a giant hole in it where a battery can go, okay? Because you can build the chassis so that it's much stronger if you have the battery sealed in there. So that's why it's all going away. That's my little lesson for today. I just find it interesting that Samsung got rid of the headphone jack in the S20 series, but kept the SD card slot. It's weird. I mean, look, it can still be in there, but don't expect the performance. And my point is like a lot of people are like, oh, I'm going to buy the cheap version. There's less storage and I'm going to buy like a massive 512 gigabyte memory card. And I'm like, no, you're not going to do that. That's a bad idea because you're going to have to spend a lot of money on a good memory card. And even then it's not going to be remotely as fast as UFS3 storage. Now you're going to say for storing audio. Yeah, fine. But as soon as you start video recording, you want to use local storage for that. And it's not going to work very well on a good, unless you have like a really expensive micro SD card, like we're talking SanDisk or Samsung's best. I just, I, I really do want to meet the person who still rips CDs or buys high quality um, audio from like seven audio or something and then and then rips it into flack. Like I don't know anybody in my life. I buy flack audio life. all the time, but I, I keep it in the cloud. Like I stream my flack audio from the cloud. It's not a big deal, folks. It's easy. So there you go. I mean, that's that's the that's the intermediary you can answer. Or you just but I mean I look, I'm I know I'm preaching to the choir here. <laughs> I love high quality audio. The wall behind me is full of five hundred dollar headphones and, and headphone amplifiers. You have a headphone wall? Jeez. I do have a headphone wall, actually. It's not as pretty as um board at works headphone oh wall. well it's, nobody's ever going to be as good as edabong but but i mean edabong is on video i don't need to be on video all the time i don't i don't know i would love to see a real-time 24 7 daniel bader rocking his head with headphones on while writing reviews channel i don't <laughs> write as much i bang my head against the wall a lot oh i want to see that on i'm video. an editor now but i look i i get it but i also i i listen to um I listen to Tidal if I need to listen to high quality or Amazon, you know, music premium HD or whatever. I don't care as much as I used to because I can't sit still to just close my eyes and listen to high quality audio. Um, That's because you have children. I, I do, but it's not, <laughs> but still like, it's not the point. The point is that the number of people who care about Nobody cares. ripping high quality audio files is far fewer than it was five years ago. Yeah, that's also why nobody cares about having... Like, there's so many things that people want in a phone that really nobody cares about. I'll give you an example. I care about the headphone jack, which, by the way, the Edge Plus has a freaking headphone jack. Hallelujah. I mean, yes, but nobody cares. Nobody cares anymore. True wireless earbuds have gotten so ubiquitous and so good and so cheap. I just reviewed the TCL ones that we got at CS on Android Police. They blew my freaking mind for the money. Have you listened to those things? Which ones? The TCLs we all got for C for free at CS. No, I didn't get anything for TCL. 
I have to give Jason an, a, a call. That's not yeah. Cool. Just just ask Brad. He's got a bunch. Um, but they're nice. They're eighty bucks. They're totally like no app, no active noise canceling. Just comfortable, small, good passive seal. Sound really flat. No weird bass bump like all the modern headphones that I hate and earbuds that I really hate the bass bump thing. I'm old school, man. I like my music super neutral, and those things are so clean. Wow, for 80 bucks, it blew my mind. I mean, they're not perfect. Come on, I've got $500 headphones. It'll blow the thing away. But you'll see what I mean. Just check it out. So, okay, I, I did want to know, though, because the Edge Plus does have a headphone jack. That's great. And an edge, and a headphone jack doesn't preclude um, the, the fact that a phone is, is water-resistant, but this does not have... Any because water Moto does that nano coating thing. They don't seem to want to do IP68. They're very much like OnePlus here. Mm, yeah, but even the 8 Pro has an IP68 water and dust resistance certification. That's because, that's probably because we've been harassing them about it for so long now. Yeah, but this makes no sense. I don't trust a nano coating to protect the phone from being dunked in you know, water. I don't something. either, but Moto had to cut corners somewhere to reach that $1,000 price point because let's go through the rest of the spec sheet. This thing is kind of bonkers. I mean, so far, the only quote-unquote, and this is a minor quote-unquote, this is not something I'm really worried about, compromises that it's not Quad HD. Everything else on this thing is insane. 108 megapixel rear camera, f of 1.8, that strangely doesn't pixel bin 9 to 1, but pixel bins 4 to 1 to 27 megapixels. We're not sure what sensor this is. is that, do you think that's the Samsung sensor? Is, yeah, is the think, Samsung the only one right now? I think the SM1 is the, or the HM1 is the only 108 sensor right now, yeah. You know, I hate the fact that Moto keeps using Samsung sensors on all their cameras, like the 64 and 48. They suck so bad compared to Sony's. Yes. Yeah. the implementation of them. I don't know if it's the hardware thing or a software thing, probably a software thing. I believe it's software. Because I have not found a 48 or 64 megapixel sensor that is a Samsung sensor implemented in a way that I feel like is appropriate. Like Sony's IMX586 last year and now the new 689 that's on the 8 Pro, the OnePlus, and the, and the Find X2 Pro is a freaking amazing sensor. It has so much potential. Like I can't wait for the software to catch up on that sensor. Later this year, that sensor is going to be the sensor you want in a phone, short of getting a Huawei phone with Leica and the custom IMX701, whatever it is, the one that's yeah. 50 megapixel RYYB. Dude, like seriously... I really, really hope for Moto's sake, who does not know how to make a camera to save their lives, that this thing has a decent main camera. So I, I'm curious because, you know, the, the bona fides in this phone seem, you know, good. But even Samsung couldn't get the Ultra to take reliably good photos <laughs> on its own sensor. I expect this to be a hot mess. <laughs> I hate to say it. I'm calling it now, though. Okay, I don't know if you remember the original Moto X back in 2013. Yes. Of course you do. Mm, so after we I went, do. I had a custom version of it. Remember they made us all make a custom version? Yeah, I didn't get that. I was in Canada. It was, I was very sad. Anyway, I gave it up. I should. I didn't. I sent it back because I'm so ethical. I should have kept that phone. You should have. Nobody would have cared. It had, now. It had my name all over it. It was great. It had so, tank girl everywhere. When I took that out for the first time, they were all like, "Oh, this is a great." It's a 10 megapixel custom sensor, blah, blah, blah. It was so bad, Miriam. I don't... Oh, if I was, remember. You don't have to so remind me. Terrible. It was terrible. And that has been the case ever since. Yes. Um, the only Motorola phone that I've had a good shooting experience with was the Motorola One Zoom. 
And that zoom is was okay. surprisingly good, but it used an IMX586. And you know what phone sucks in terms of imaging for the specs that they recently made, which is why I think this is going to be a hot mess? The Hyper. The 64 megapixel on that Hyper is garbage. Yeah, I believe it. I mean, I wanted to give it some love, but uh, let's move on to the other cameras real quick. I just want to go through the specs, so at least we got the specs, because this podcast has been an incredible disaster of not sticking to the topic, but I'm super happy with all the freaking tangents we've taken, so I'm really happy. 8 megapixel, 3 times optical zoom telephoto, f over 2.4, 1 micron pixels, has OIS. By the way, the main camera has obviously has OIS. Well, that's not obvious these days, but this does. Uh, 16 megapixel f over 2.2 ultra wide with one micron pixels and autofocus. It does it does macros, which is the way it should be. And then I, here, right here, I could derail the entire edge thing by having an entire rant for half an hour about the OnePlus 8 and the fact that they added a third useless camera, the 2 megapixel macro that they didn't need because the wide angle ultra wide still does autofocus and should work as a macro like the 7T did, but somehow they decided they had a hole to fail, so they put an extra camera. Fail OnePlus. I'm not even going to say anything because I agree with that. We could probably go for another half an hour on that. Okay, selfie camera is 25 megapixel, f02.0, 0.9 micron, but supposedly a pixel bins down to, I guess, a 6 or 7 megapixel photo? Yeah. At 1.8 micron, but no, doubling the 1.9. 7 um, megapixels, I don't know, 7. Has in-display fingerprint sensor, has a 5,000 milliamp hour battery, which is going to need the moment you fire up millimeter wave. But if most people who buy this phone are not going to be on millimeter wave, so that phone's going to have baller battery life, we hope. 18 watt fast charging wired, which is meh. 15 watt fast charging wireless, which is good. 5 watt reverse wireless charging so it's got wireless charging that's all good i'm just making sure we didn't forget anything it doesn't have wi-fi oh it does have wi-fi 6 but some specs show that it doesn't have wi-fi 6 it should it's 865 has wi-fi 6 I don't yeah know. it should it i think i think they they um verified that it does so we finally after 45 minutes of this podcast have managed to get to the specs there's also an edge i don't even want to go talk about the edge because the edge regular we're not going to have time <laughs> well, okay, let's go let's go over it in a minute in a minute cuz here's the thing, right? You do it because I don't have the specs in front of me. Okay, it's an okay, it's a 66.7 inch 90 hertz display. It seems is like it the, the same main, display? I don't think it's the same display cuz the Edge Plus is HDR10 Plus and this is only ah, HDR10. Okay. Um uh, triple, you know, 64 megapixel, so I guess it's the same Samsung sensor that's in the Hyper. Ugh. Uh but it's still telephoto ultra wide macro. It's uh, the same telephoto and the same ultra wide? I don't know. I don't have the specifics on the edge, but it's it sounds You're living like living on the edge, Daniel. I just tell. I just regurgitate what Motorola tells me in press Please releases. Please keep regurgitating. You're doing a good job. Okay, here's the fucked up part. So it's got a 765 in it, which is great because it's the first 765 that'll be available in North America. However, um, it's only got four gigs of RAM. Oh. What's up with that? How can you get away <laughs> with putting a phone with only four gigs of RAM out there in 2020? I'm I'm not I'm not even joking. Wait, this is, is this the Snapdragon 765G? I don't think it's the G. It's just the 765. Whatever, it's a 5G Snapdragon, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, not the regular. Uh, I don't know. That's like sounds like a pixel moment to me. AKA major fail. <laughs> it's mind blowing. But again, 4,500 milliamp hour battery, um, 128 gigs of storage by default. 
So I think really the only aberration there is the four gigs of RAM. Otherwise, I, I think this will be a solid $700 phone if it launches at that. Please make it unlocked and please make it 650 Thank you. <laughs> See, that's a, that's a playbook from OnePlus right there. That's what, that's what Moto needs to do. Here's the good news. The good news is that because it's sub-6 only, it probably won't be, uh, it can't be a Verizon exclusive. And Unless they make a custom Verizon version. Well, that's possible. But like the, the one that they've announced right now is sub-6 only, which means that it's either going to be unlocked or it'll be available on T-Mobile and, and AT&T, which is cool. That's cool. Well, I, okay, so my gut feeling on this Edge Plus is I touched it, I played with it, my video's up on YouTube, check it out. It feels really nice. Like, it's really well-made. It feels premium. It feels, it looks good. It's a little on the thick size, but I'm fine with that because I, I, know, I know what's packed in there and it's got millimeter wave, which makes it challenging. Everything on paper looks hot. This phone should be amazing. I think the price for what it is, is reasonable because there's a lot of tech in there, especially on soothing you add millimeter wave. My biggest concern right now is camera performance because uh, Moto has failed to deliver over and over again on that. And I'm sure the software will be okay because uh, Moto usually does an okay job with software. So I'm feeling very positive. I'm actually reviewing the Edge Plus for hot hardware again. Somehow they want me to do reviews right now. So I'm doing it. And uh, so, Stay tuned for my verdict. I want to talk about cameras and moto very briefly in the context of your G Stylus review. I have the G Stylus and the G, uh, the G Power. I've been using them for a little while, although I'm not covering them for a specific outlet, just my podcasts and my YouTube. And I feel very much like your review is on point. I read it last night. I will link it in the show notes. I feel the G Power is the better of the two phones. Look, I just think that Motorola wasted an opportunity here. And I try to give the company the benefit of the doubt every year when they come out with new phones. And I think the stylus, being a passive stylus, is, does not provide the, the value that it purports to provide. The value add that you get from the higher megapixel camera does not appear to be enough to justify the $50 price bump over the G power. And I think that by putting out these phones in the US and breaking up the lineage, you know, essentially resetting to the G versus going with the G8 that are available elsewhere in the world, you're really not doing the brand any favors. Um, I agree. I'm, I'm quiet because I'm 100% on board. It's so confusing. Like, and there's just a whole bunch of other stuff around this phone that I that I found frustrating. You know um, what drives me nuts the most of all of it? All of it is, first of all, that it's a, it clearly not an, a Sony 48 megapixel. It's clearly some Samsung that they don't know how to handle uh, because it's not that great. I mean, it's not horrible, but it's not that great. But then again, Moto's never been that great, so I can th that's a pass, although the pa on paper it looks great. What's up with the ultra-wide that you can't use as an ultra-wide? Yeah, it's so Oh, man, this decision. I, I actually asked, I asked Moto PR this. And they're like, well, it has the action cam. I'm like, you're not answering my question. The, the Zoom has the action cam too. Yes. In so no, sorry, the Hyper has the action cam in software on the ultra wide. And it gives you photo ultra wide. So why can't you do both again? I think it's just a UX decision, you know? Now, I think there's two action models, like, 
paradigms in the Moto universe. There's the Moto 1 action, which, like the G-Stylus, has a sensor that's physically on its side that can only do video. Notice that both of them can't do photos. And, and it could do photos, but they chose to make this a because they rotated the sensor. They're using a lot more of the surface area of the sensor, right? And then with the Hyper, they decide, hey, maybe we can emulate the action mode with a slightly bigger sensor and, you know, rotate in software, basically, and then give them the ultra-wide capability. And to me, how can you have a, a phone that's $50 less than the G-Power have an ultra-wide camera that does take ultra-wide photos and ultra-wide video and not have that on the $50 more expensive phone. That, that's, that's annoying me. It has not been sitting well for me. It's hurting me in my very special place, Daniel. You know what? I, it, it, this, the, the word that comes to mind is arbitrary. Correct. These, are, these feel like arbitrary decisions that were not made with the consumer in mind. They were made... With, with a marketing in checklist in mind. Yes. Yeah, exactly. And that is, an, that is a problem because- God damn. The action camera is, is useful for maybe- It's really one, good. One twentieth of the time as an ultra-wide Correct, but it, it is really good. Like, I have to give them credit. That action camera system, no matter which version, software, hardware, it's really good. Yeah, yeah. I like it. I think it's, I think it's very cute. It's a cute feature that is fun to use a couple of times. Uh, unfortunately- I don't think it's as useful as an ultra-wide photo camera. Exactly. And then, then there's a 2-megapixel macro, which, uh, you know, connected to my non-rant that I had earlier that almost went into a rant about the one eight, the OnePlus 8 non-pro that has that extra hole filled with a useless camera called the macro camera when it can perfectly do macro in software with the ultra-wide because it has AF on the ultra-wide. I tested it actually has AF on the ultra-wide. Yeah. Because of that, we have a third camera on the Moto G Stylus and Power, which is a 2 megapixel 1987-grade camera. Wait, they didn't have digital cameras then. 2007-grade so camera, as you said in your review. My biggest problem with this is not so much that they did that because nobody cares. It's like use a macro once in a blue moon. But my problem with it is that... Moto did it better on the G Stylus and the G Power than OnePlus did it on the 8. And you know why? Because it has autofocus on the macro. <laughs> because the OnePlus 8 does not have autofocus on its dedicated macro lens. Can you believe that? I can't. That phone is, what is it, $699? And it doesn't have autofocus on that 2 megapixel macro. And this little lowly G Stylus G Power is $250. And it has autofocus on that crappy 2 megapixel. It does help a little bit. It, I mean, fine, it helps to focus on something, but once you take the photo, you can barely see it because the quality is so bad. But So bad. You need so much light point. to make it worth it, yeah. Uh, and I know how you feel about the stylus. I feel exactly the same way. The actual stylus on that thing is like the world's smallest finger. Pretty much, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, if you if you whittled your pinky down to a nub, then perhaps you could do the same thing because that's the utility you get from it. I, I just don't I don't see it being useful unless you're taking screenshots and annotating them. Be angry, Daniel. Be angry. But here's the thing is that the the company when we when they pitched it to us, this is the part that makes me upset, is that they pitched it as a way for students to take photo to take notes in class. Ha! <laughs> You know, that's the thing that got me is that it's not that 
they were saying, oh, we put the stylus in and you can use it for, you know, from some fun doodles and to annotate screenshots. They actually encouraged me to tell customers, potential customers, that they should use this for notes. And it's so slow and there's so much lag that the first time a student buys this phone and opens it to use in class, when they eventually go back to class, they're going to hate it. And I don't want to be responsible for anybody buying it for that reason. I feel this is the first, as you said, the, in the conclusion of your review, this is the first G that I'm feeling mixed feelings about. I feel like also, you know, what's up with the plastic back? You said the edges are metal, but they, it, it looks so cheap to me that the edges look like plastic. I know they're yeah, I metal. I actually checked. I didn't believe it, actually. I until... didn't believe it either. But like, I actually did the, the tooth test where you bang your tooth against the material. and you, Like the resonance is different in different material. I know this is a very, very phone reviewer type thing to do. You have to have good teeth too, as it can hurt. I'm Else impressed, you'll up, actually. You'll end up chipping the phone a little bit if you do it the wrong way. But the reality is that I have a feeling you're correct. This might be very, very heavily painted or coated aluminum, but it just looks and feels like crappy plastic all around. And there was a time when the G was glass and metal. The G6 was glass and metal. The G7 went back to a hybrid where the chassis was plastic and the rear was glass. And then the cheaper G, G7 power last year was all plastic. Like, Moto, please. Like, you went there. You did it right once. Can you please stay there? I know you're saving money right now, but, you know, the Moto Action Cam and the freaking macro is not what we want. What we want is a metal and glass chassis and a decent ultra-wide camera. That's what we want. I mean, just bring, like, honestly, bring back the Moto G6 design. Seriously. It's gorgeous. It was it was perfect. Yeah, do that with an edge-to-edge display in the front. I do have to say I love the rear fingerprint sensor on the G Power and the G Stylus because it's a you know very fast. But also it's so hidden, right? It's like in the logo, you really don't see it. The design-wise is really well done. Yeah, I'll give them that. I, I agree that it works really well. Uh and they did the same thing on the G7, so I was happy with that. Uh, so the Moto G is a bit of a hot mess this year. And then we've got, you know, this Edge Plus and the Edge. I, I want to love Moto, but I'm a little, I'm, I'm, my heart rate's going up thinking about me having to review this Edge Plus now because of the camera. Uh, I really want it to be good. And because of the fact that I don't have millimeter waves. So this phone is going to be a half review, really. Uh, not a half review, but like a 90% review or because like, really, who uses millimeter wave? Who? Especially right now. I mean, what are you going to do? Go down to the corner, download something, and then go back upstairs? It's funny. Anyway, um, quickly, we talked on the LG Velvet a little bit. And honestly, I feel like this video they did makes the phone look really sexy and really nice. Like, I'm actually excited about the industrial design of the Velvet. I think it looks really hot. I do, too. I, I agree with you that it is absolutely an improvement. And just given the fact that they struggled. You know, I liked the G6. I liked the G7. Um, I thought the G8 was was beautiful in its own sort of ugliness. I, I don't know how else to put it. Um, <laughs> but it, it really, like, I liked the designs of those phones. I do think that they missed the design curve by a year every time. So they yeah. were just behind. And I do think this is a good way for them to catch up. But phone Doesn't design- feel unique to LG. To me, this honestly looks like a an Oppo phone or a Vivo or or like a Xiaomi phone. Even it looks a lot like a Xiaomi phone, actually. 
But is that good enough? Because that's the problem. Is that they're no, it's they're not, not good differentiating. Enough, but, but it's not a unique design language. But they're making it sound like it is, and it's so weird to me how LG does that. It's like this whole dog and pony show is happening here around this thing. That when you look at it, you're like, yeah, it's really nice, nice, well done, LG. But like, really, like this could be anyone in 2020. When they put out that press release, uh, teasing it saying that it the, the design was inspired by the sounds of nature and that it has a raindrop design the first thing i thought of was the galaxy s3 introduction oh you're making me cringe that hurts exactly but <sighs> it's the same language miriam it's the same it's language the eight years later and that is a problem well it's because i have no imagination yeah i i guess phone marketing is really broken i hate to tell you that even the people who do it right technically because they're successful like apple and samsung they're not they don't know how to market phones apple is probably the best but i still don't feel like apple's marketing is 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 so much of a you know jedi mind trick still that i'm feeling like they're trying to take me for a ride every time i watch an ad from apple like i get it it's nice i like their phones i like what apple's doing but you don't have to convert me apple i feel like i'm watching a cult video every time i watch a freaking apple ad well, it's just the whole thing about the iPhone SE and, 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 you know, everybody's like, oh my God, this is amazing. And then you look at the spec sheet and it's, it's like a 750p display still. And you're like, oh, right. Because that's what the iPhone 6 was six years yeah. ago. Yeah. It's the same display. Yeah. Well, it's not. The 6, it, it has a much better LCD, the 8, than the 6 days. I, I, I know. LCD. I'm just saying the, the, the... Don't be mean, Daniel. I'm not being mean. I, I ordered one. I'm looking forward to using it. I ordered it. one too. I'm excited about using Touch ID again, but I just think it's, you know, there are a lot of, uh, they're, they're, they're manipulating people a little bit with this, and it's, it's fine because it's a $399 phone, but um, calling it new is not accurate, and that's just the reality. I mean, the specs are unbelievable compared to an Android phone in terms of the internals, right? Like, the A13 Bionic is just going to blow away the A65 every time. It will. It'll and also for three ninety nine. That is pretty impressive. It'll. I mean, look. If you're if we're calling a spade a spade, the A thirteen is Bionic is so far ahead of anything else out there. It's not even com comparable to uh, right. a lot of what Qualcomm does. But then you also have to bring in, and I, I don't want to blow smoke up Qualcomm's butt here. But Qualcomm does a <laughs> but lot you're more. You're going to. <laughs> but it, I'm going to because Qualcomm does a lot more than just, you know processing power you know it's not just no clocks per or it's, it's not just uh clock Look, cycles I still think it's a perfect timing for this phone and it's going to fill a big niche for iphone users like my spouse i'm buying it for my spouse because mm -hmm. yes i'm going to review it for the channel and all that but they want they are an old se they're already upset that it's bigger and but they know that they want it because that's there there's a their old phone is so unusable at this point you know so yeah. this is a much needed thing. Um, I want your quick thoughts on, I'm going to put a link to an Android Central story about a Nokia 9.3 PureView that has 108 megapixel Penta camera set up, but it's not at all the Penta camera like the previous 9 PureView. And that's actually a slightly old piece of news. I just thought that since I saw a story on Android Central and I had you on, we should just at least mention it. Do you expect this to be any good? Yes or no? 
Yes, I hope so. I, I don't... <laughs> You're such an optimist. I love it. I'm sorry. I, I love Nokia. I think that <laughs> I just too, have a soft spot. but they haven't really delivered in their new, in their latest HMD global in, incarnation, anything yeah. that imaging-wise has really done anything for me. Like, I'm, I want to believe. So, they there. I don't think any phone got as much criticism for its camera in history than the the Nokia 9 PureView. Like because we had high expectations. Light was involved. Yeah. You know, we knew the old Nokia and what they could do. And this new Nokia feels like the IKEA of of Nokia. Like it's you know, Nokia stylized. It's like the old Nokia but like flat packed. The Swedish you know? Nokia. Yeah. It's I fantastic. It. I love it. I love the vibe. I love the phones. They're good. They're solid, but they're a little too pricey. The updates are really not coming fast enough. And in imaging, they haven't made a single phone that I can really say is exciting right now. Oh yeah. 100% agree. I wouldn't say that. No, the nine was exciting. It just didn't deliver on that excitement. So meh. Um, last thing quickly, because this is actually the more important, I think. Google might design its own chips. How do you feel about that? I think this is interesting. I do too. I just don't think that it's realistic to talk about it in the present tense. They're not going to have a good time releasing a phone with a homegrown processor in North America anytime soon. I think this soon. is at least two years away anyway. I mean, oh, I think it's get... way more than that. I don't, I don't see this happening, especially, you know, you're not going to come out of the gate, you know, guns blazing, competing with Apple and Qualcomm in year one. You know, if Samsung yeah. is getting out of the custom chip design game, Samsung, the company that has a ma had a massive division that fabs its own chips, uh, if 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 the biggest company in the world is getting out, then what makes you believe that Google is going to have a shot here? So this is a long game, and if Google is going to win, it has to be very very careful about not blowing it the first time it does it. Yeah, I think. This is a smart move, whether they can pull it off and how soon is a really big question, right? I think the, the, the question is, what is the intent? Is it meant to be another supplementary piece of silicon f to, to live alongside the main SOC? Or That's a good question. Is it, also, is it going to take, no, there's, no, there's no way that a Google-made processing unit is going to replace all of the the modem stuff that Qualcomm yeah, yeah, uses, right? Yeah, the 5G stuff, no. So yeah, that's the first thing I thought about was the 5G. Like, how are they going to do 5G? They need Qualcomm for that, right? Yeah, or they can just you know buy somebody else. No, nobody else makes these chips, especially if they want to release phones in North America. Nobody. We should wrap up. It was fun. I love the diversions. I love the tangents. Can you tell? the folks on the show, where they can find you on the internet, your Twitter, Instagram, all that. Of course, you know, Android Central. Pimp, pimp yourself out, my friend. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm on Twitter. I'm on Instagram at JourneyDan. Uh, that's Journeyman with a D. Um, I don't write that much anymore because I, I kind of run the, the show at Android Central in the background. But all my colleagues' amazing writing is at AndroidCentral.com. And uh, look, I don't do this a lot, but we are trying to grow the subscriber base on YouTube. So if you are interested in our amazing videos, I think they're great. Uh, go to youtube.com slash Android Central and subscribe. Uh, that would be really swell. Thank you. You should, folks. It's an essential subscription to have. Thank you. You're welcome. You know where to find me, folks. I'm at Tankerl. That's T-N-K-G-R-L on Twitter and on Instagram. That's like the comic book character Tankerl, but drop all the vowels. And uh, Twitter is really the place where you want to discuss this podcast with me. You know, ask me questions. Tell me your thoughts. 
your feelings, all that good stuff. Instagram is where you'll find photos of phones and photos taken with phones. So if you're into photography in general, check it out. Also, I want to say that I have a YouTube channel. You should check it out. It's youtube.com slash mobile tech podcast. Obviously, it goes along with the podcast. If you want visuals to go with this audio presentation, check it out. I've got a hands-on of the Moto Edge Plus on there. Other videos like unboxings and stuff. So have a look. And then finally, if you stumbled on this podcast by accident because you saw that Daniel was on it or something, great. You should subscribe. MobileTechPodcast.com is URL. We're on all the major platforms, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Pocket Cast, Spotify, and other places. Whatever you end up subscribing on, if you have the opportunity, please rate the show. Please uh, review the show. I know not all platforms support that, but if you can, that really helps. So I'd appreciate it. Also, if you can, please donate. Uh, there's a donate link in the show notes. It really helps the show because it's a little independent publication that we're here. We being me and my guests, really. And it does help just cover the cost of doing it for you folks every week. I also want to thank our sponsor, Audible. Audible.com. They've been with us since uh, the early days and they're really freaking awesome. If you love books and you want to read them, but for some reason maybe you can't hold a Kindle or hold a book in your hand right now. Maybe you're delivering that awesome phone the Moto Edge Plus to Daniel right now in your truck for UPS, FedEx, whoever it is. Yes, please. And you need to listen to a book. Well, guess what? Audible's got you covered. They're incredible selection of books, first of all. Number two, a lot of the books are read by the authors and have like cool sound effects in the back. It really makes it immersive. It makes it fun. Check it out. And the reason you should check it out is because it helps the podcast. So whether you stay with Audible or not, there's an offer that you shouldn't resist. It is a way for us to survive and it really helps us. So please consider clicking through this link. It's audibletrial.com slash mobile tech. That's audibletrial.com slash mobile tech. It's also in the show description below uh, in your podcast app. You can click on it. Please consider joining Audible. You don't have to stay and it still helps us. You can keep a free book at the end of the free trial. It's a one month, 30 day free trial. So check it out. Audible books, reading by listening, lots of choice, great platform. We love them. They love us and you love us. Make it so. That's it, folks. Daniel, thanks for being on the show. Really appreciate it. Thanks again, Miriam. It's so nice to be back. Yeah, it's a lot of fun to have you on, especially because we are such good ranters together. Yeah, I know. We do a good job. I know. We, we do it. So uh, stay tuned, folks. We'll have a show next week, of course. And until then, cheers, everybody. Bye-bye. This has been the Mobile Tech Podcast with Tank Girl, proudly presented by worldpodcasts.com. You can visit us online at mobiletechpodcast.com.